Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, other good stuff. So this evening's Dharma talk is, I have titled Tiny Thieves. Not thieves, thieves, thieves. Thieves, tiny thieves. So what is a, what is a tiny thief? Well, I'll tell you what it is. It is an aspect of consciousness. Sometimes uh, people say, <laughs> um, when we talk about the precepts, I say, you can't help but break break the precepts. That's why they call it precepts. Something to break. Can't help but kill. You can't eat unless you kill something. And uh, anything that's living is killing. Anything that is alive and you take its life, even if it's celery, it's killing. And uh, don't. Don't say things that are untrue. Uh, don't uh, take things that don't belong to you. And that's what I'm going to talk about, the, the thief part. You think you're not a thief. Maybe you're not. I certainly am a thief. Um, not quite as bad as I was when I was 12. A little better. Improved a little bit. Now I'm stealing all of your time because I've got you interested in what I have to say. So you're going to be doing something really interesting and fun. But no, I've stolen your time. Some of them I've stolen your whole life. So tiny thieves, not waiting for the period when someone is speaking, interrupting. Until they're through speaking. Because if you speak and you, you take something from them, you take the rest of their sentence. They might have been uh, saying something that was valuable to them, or they're sharing it with you, and you've interrupted them. Not evil; it's not bad, but it's it's a form of disrespect uh, based on thinking that you can talk whenever you want to. Another one: teaching or correcting someone without their permission, thereby taking away their freedom to learn or to understand something on their own. I'm not saying you shouldn't help them, but you might want to wait and see if perhaps they want to see what that is themselves. But no, you want to jump right in and say, no, don't, you don't put it there. You put it over there. You sound like your mom. <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> Putting it over there. You know it belongs over there. How many times have I told you that? Have you ever had your mom or your dad say, how many times have I told you that? And you come back and say, I don't know, 40 or 50, and then get hit. <laughs> Another kind of thievery. There are many ways of wasting, uh, stealing other people's time with your chatter, your preoccupation with yourself while you're around them, your vortex, thereby sucking them into that, usurping their what? Their time. Does it sound like I'm being critical? <laughs> Perhaps. But what am I saying? I'm saying look at the way we that we interrupt people or take things or think that what we, what we're thinking about what they're thinking about what they're saying and about what we're thinking about what they're saying is somehow better than what they're saying. Most people are polite. They're not going to, they're not going to tell you to be quiet or unless it's me, I might say, wait for the period. I often do that to people if they interrupt me, if I can, uh, you may have noticed that if I'm talking and you start to talk, I will stop. Not all the time, but quite often because it's really important what you have to say to me. I can't help you unless I'm really on the receiving end of what's happening with you. 
And of course, I'm not just as um, much a tiny thief as anyone, but it's about awareness of that. It's not about concluding or stopping that or changing yourself or being some kind of perfect person who never steals. You're not going to be able to help others if you somehow become some kind of an angelic being like the greatest bodhisattva who ever lived. Yeah, that's a, an aspiration, uh, inspiration to do that rather than particularly some kind of goal to reach or some kind of standard to live up to. Not easy. Not easy being uh, a human being. So perhaps there are some other ways that we, those little tiny thieves might come along. Tiny thieves, as we know, said, don't you want to say tiny thieves? And I said, no, I like tiny thieves better. Isn't thieves plural for thieves? But if you had five thieves, you'd have thieves. Isn't that also a, some kind of an ointment or something? Yeah. <laughs> so again it's about observing the precepts it's about observing the way we do that the way we interfere with others it's about observing the way we take the life of something else because we need to eat and to say somehow validate yourself by saying i don't eat anything with a mother or i don't eat anything you've heard that before i don't eat, any, eat anything with eyes you know, other than maybe potatoes. But, you know, that's that's not uh, that's not really so fair because a living being is a living being is a living being. So we're going to need to eat something. The level of, uh, of the situation may uh, be called murder. It may not be. <laughs> Usually that's more about social control, uh, society rather than something else. And of course, there's going to be times when somebody is doing something that looks, that it would actually be helpful for you to step in and without their permission and say, hey, you know, you might want to, might want to change your direction on that. That looks like that's going to lead into difficulty. So I'm saying it's very situational. We should look at it and say, there might be times when you would step into somebody's territory without permission and help them because you could see uh, the outcome is not going to be so good if you sit back and say, well, I'm so Kazan said, don't interfere with anybody. So I guess I've got to let that person uh, trip over the boulder. So I'm happy to take questions. There's only so much you can say about this particular thing. I, I thought it might stir up some questions about perhaps this aspect of the precepts or other aspects of the precepts. Is I'm bowing. Um, when we look at not stealing someone else's time, it seems like there's it's an easier thing to consider. But when someone perhaps is not respecting our time, what is our responsibility in Very particular good. with Sangha? Very um, excellent, excellent, excellent question. And I would say, and You've heard me say this before, but I'll say it now because I would like more questions around this. It's very situational. So 
if you're leading with your awareness and not just your thought processes of right and wrong, good and bad, I'm right, I'm wrong, they're right, I, who's who's right, who's right, who's you know who's on first, that kind of thing. If you're not leading with your analysis and your thought process based on standards and living up to something and failing at something, then the the consciousness that you've been training perhaps for years to just see clearly what's in front of you at any given time. This is not protective. Does not feel safe for ego. Ego mind wants to know what what should I can't do that. What should I do? Like if we suddenly, if you come in here uh, into the um, into the monastery, uh, somebody just recently uh, was uh, was asked to sit in the the dawn seat and uh, lead uh, the service and not not lead the the chants, but just lead. Nothing to it. Sit down and say a few words. And there's a hesitancy, and I'm not going to name anybody because I'm not here to pick on someone, but there's a hesitancy to do that. And I would say fail. Go in and go in and actually fail at that and so that you can understand yourself. You can learn uh, what, that, what, is that, what that is about. And so to return to Chazan's uh, question, uh, seems to be very situational. So um, there might be a time when you when you would say to somebody, uh, I, I don't have time for that, or, um, you know, they might be bending your ear as the saying sometimes go, and you might just say, uh, have other things to do. And you and if you're in the monastery, quite often it's bow to someone, show respect to them, and then uh, leave. But I, I as again, it's, it's situational, and if you're there and you're present in the situation, with a particular person, with their particular kind of chemistry, uh, their style. Um, I would say don't do anything unless you have to. But if you have to, then then you might have to do it. I mean, you might have to say, um, this is a waste of time. You may have to say that. It seems situational. I'm happy to respond to further questions question or about around that if you have more if you want to go deeper into that in particular is a great deal of fear of stepping into those areas um the fear of the perception of the actions or the the response triggering 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 a response and how can i begin to expand my awareness outside of the fear which consumes so much of my attention so stop trying to get outside of the fear the fear is the, the intelligence. You recently asked me to step further into that. I did not. How, how can I step into that without leaving my, I don't, I don't see how to act. I can't see how to act because the fear can be so strong. Just keep going. Nothing lasts, including fear. And it especially doesn't last if you don't validate it, you don't try to get rid of it, and you don't cover it up. Those are the three poisons. Do nothing with it. Uh, the, the, the situation, the person you may be dealing with may be full of fear and not even know it because they're covering it up. And that's part of the reason that they're uh, possibly crossing into areas that you need to say something about because they've shut down in that area. So therefore, they're 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 not feeling fearful. They're they're feeling they're doing whatever they're doing, and you may have to step into that area, 
and uh, receive whatever fear comes up. Just receive that fear. Not easy. That's why it's called a practice. What is it to have responsibility when you're still not clear about what's happening? So does it look like I'm clear about what's happening? Just a question. It seems that that you can be, you can be very, it seems that you can be very clear and very direct about how things should uh, function or, or look. And other times you don't seem to come in with any particular direction. Okay. Well, that's a pretty good example. <laughs> sometimes I, sometimes it's clear and sometimes it's pretty cloudy. Just continue to function. If you, if you, if you reflect for a moment, you being a monk, if you reflect for a moment on your, your original intention, your original inspiration to even do such a thing is to save all beings, put others before yourself. And it's really hard when you're being stepped on or mistreated or disrespected by someone else. It's very difficult to do that. And it's very difficult to do that and not come out of some kind of irritation or defensiveness or even a little bit of uh, just wanting to kind of get back at somebody for something. Difficult. So I say don't do anything unless you have to. So in that situation... Just look at, just receive as much, be on receive as much as you can. And so that when you do start to produce, in other words, point something out to somebody or step into somebody's uh, personal mandala and say, I think you should do that. You should, perhaps you should do, maybe you should stop. Maybe you should start. Maybe you should complete. Maybe you should uh, move this way or that way before you do that, that your, your intention about that is to fundamentally help that person. And that way, there's a, a lot less likelihood that you'll be stepping into uh, a situation where you will be, in other words, stealing their time, stealing their space, stealing their autonomy. If you're in a monastery, and which you are, and if you're with other people who are uh, either fully ordained or lay ordained, but are here with some kind of a commitment to train their minds, then they're already stepping into a really difficult situation. It's called the Sangha. And I'm not talking about the sangha that the casual sangha that you don't really you can kind of come or go i'm talking about this is one where you have a commitment to this you, you receive a vow you're observing a vow to be with all things and what does that look like it, it looks like you can't do it it looks like you can't it's the it's the aspiration to do this not the not the success story because the success story uh, uh is uh the mental success story, if there is such a thing, is to see there isn't anyone there in the first place. There's no there's no one here and there's no one over there. Uh, and that's uh, very difficult because it certainly looks like there's somebody there and it looks like there's somebody here. And I'm worried about what they're going to do. Are they going to think or what can I do? How should I function? Um, in your case, you have a, an actual role. I mean, you have a you have a, a function as the, the prior, the Sakansu. So you have to function in that role. Other people are functioning in their role. Some people, I have a role as a teacher and as the in this monastery as the abbot. So I need to function as best I can in that way, based on how this is. Nobody trained me how to do this. I'm just doing the best I can. Chisho. 
So along the same lines of what you're saying, if there, if I have an accountability to somebody else, then it becomes uh, more difficult. Whereas if I have no accountability, my only accountability is to myself, then it's pretty easy to, uh, uh, you know, just do what's coming up. Yeah. So how do we deal with that conflict when we do have, like you said, Chiazan has a particular role to play yeah. and the role has some expectations. You, you have some accountability too. You're wearing a Raksu. You've been given a Dharma name by, a, by a, your teacher and you've received vows, which you've been, which we talked about quite a bit before you decided to do this. And I, I think I even said, probably said, I do it. This is different. It is differently with different people. Don't do this unless you have your exact words. We said, no, I want to do this. I want to do this. This is about observing these vows. So I helped you do that. So I'm, uh, so there's some accountability there. Um, on the other hand, I let people uh, hold their own accountability. If pretty, pretty soon, uh, Chisho, just as an example, if you stop showing up on here, if I never saw you, if you, if you, you know, I would completely respect whatever you did. I would not chase you down. I would not harangue you or accuse you. Or, uh, why don't you ever come to the book study anymore? Uh, why don't you like me anymore? <laughs> I wouldn't do anything with it. I would be, as, as far as I could, it's not that I wouldn't worry about you. I wonder what's going on. I wonder if he's okay. I wonder, uh, I'm, I might, it's possible, I haven't done this very much, but I might say, do you still, do you want to give me that Raksu back? Uh, I've only done that a few times, uh, very rarely. But, it, you know, I, and I, I wouldn't do that uh, as a punishment. I would just say, maybe you'd like to let go of this vow. It's pretty hard to give back the Bodhisattva vow, but you could give back your connection to me as your teacher. And don't misunderstand. I'm uh, the way I'm saying this. I'm trying to be as clear as I can. You shouldn't even you shouldn't receive the Bodhisattva vow. You could you can still function as a Bodhisattva. You can have the vow as something to live up to in terms of aspiration. I aspiration. I'm aspiring to be with all things, to save all beings, to take care of my friends, take care of my enemies, to meet people with as much respect as I can as far as I can with my own neurosis or considerations, be very, very respectful, especially to people's neurosis. That's what's so hard. It's you see somebody who's nuts and we just want to tell them about it or fix it or, or leave them or abandon them. Or So it's very uh, difficult. And with uh, with someone who is uh, in the monastery is fully ordained as a monk, the, 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 that whole, that form gets stronger, but people ask for it. They want this kind of a, they want this kind of strength. I just spent, uh, before I started uh, functioning in this way, I spent uh, over 35 years in a in a sangha uh, with uh, a group of people that I didn't always get along with so well, had quite a bit of difficulty, and under a teacher that I could rarely talk to. In fact, only talked to four times in a private situation. So it was, uh, it was hard, but I, I was, I'm pretty determined and... Uh, you could even say stubborn, and I was going to do this no matter what. And, but part of a reason I, uh, that I had to do is I was suffering so much. I was having so much difficulty with my own mind and with my relationships with people. It was just so painful. I didn't know what else to do. So I just did it anyway. And that's what I would say. I endeavor to meet people where they're at. Some people just want a little bit of help. They want to hang out with me. They want to talk a little bit. They want to ask. You know, somebody might say, oh, yeah, I've got a quote right here where you said, uh, somebody just told me recently that I told them to sow Raksu, uh, and I didn't argue with them. I don't think I did that. I don't think, I mean, I think I think it could have uh, looked that way to them. I can kind of see why it would, but uh, 
Um, I don't think I, I don't think I did. They might have been going back and forth. I think it was. They were going back and forth and back and forth and back. And forth. I said, "What well, do you want to do or not? What do you want to do?" And then they said, "Yes." I said, "Okay, then start." But this was ever after a lot of going back. So they construed that as me telling them to do it. And all I did is kind of corner them. You know, do you want to do that? What do you want to do? You want to do? They they've been looking at it for uh, quite a while, a few months, longer than that actually. And and this is a person that had a lot of sitting. They've done a, a lot of a lot of sitting practice. So they, um, and they're not, they're not, as far as I know, they're not on screen. They might be on YouTube, but I don't mind. They can be wherever they want to be. But the idea is to help people not to get control of them. I don't want to get you to act a different way or some way. I want you to find out who you are. I would like you to be uh, unconditionally happy, not conditionally, because that goes away, but unconditionally. That's what I would like for you. Am I unconditionally happy? I don't know. I'm not concerned with it. I'm not concerned with happiness other than other people's. That doesn't mean that I'm some kind of a holy person or a saint or something. It's just that my emphasis is on others. Yes. I'm kind of inspired off of Jason's question. Does that hesitation or that uh, fear that comes up around stepping into, especially the other Sangha members' territory, is that a form of distrust to that person's intelligence? Yeah, well, I say a little bit. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. You just they're going to be able to handle it. They'll, they'll be okay, especially if it's a your Dharma brother or sister. The way of talking about it, they're going to be okay. They might they might get upset. They might argue with you. They might complain. <laughs> might come to me and complain about you. That happens occasionally. But we're just doing it anyway. We do it together. We just do it anyway. We, we all have, have a really intense, and this is, I'm not asking you to believe this, but you want to, might want to consider it. We all, if you're sitting here, we have karma that goes back centuries. Centuries. And you notice me chuckling about that. You're not going to be able to get out of this. Can't get out of it. Uh, you can. You might be able to ignore it. You might be able to move to Kansas and un- have an unlisted phone number. I wouldn't. I wouldn't look. I wouldn't chase you down anyway. Why? I don't want to steal your birthright. I don't want. I don't, I don't want control of anyone. So you do it. I'll help you. It's a. a it's a big mountain. You can climb it. Yes, sir. You just said you don't want to steal our birthright. What is our birthright? Uh, the right to be who you are. And how that looks to you may be different than it looks to me. So you may your birthright might be to, to go on this path uh, in a different direction. You might want to you might want to just uh, not be a monk and be a um, um, a, 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 a tailor. Or maybe a, a dog catcher. Or maybe you want to be president of uh, Nabisco. I mean, I'm just being a little bit silly, but I'm saying I, I, I don't want to, whatever your birthright is, I think your birthright is to uh, awaken. Uh, otherwise, you, why would you talk to me? 
or talk to somebody else. I don't have anything to sell. But if you say you're going a different direction, then um, even though you're fully ordained as a monk and you're a close student of mine, so I would probably argue with you quite a bit, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't stop you. I, I probably would just say that's probably not a good idea, but you should trust yourself. Do what you need to do. Go, go a different direction. So your birthright is that you, you need to have your own autonomy so you can find out what your own authority actually is. As Coben said, um, my Zen master said, get your own authority. He didn't say, do what I say. He didn't say, do what the Buddha said. Get your own authority. And that seems to show up as, uh, is there an authority? It's not talking about empowering the self-centeredness, the ego, to do whatever it wants. It's to see what is the fundamental nature of authority. Look closely. You find out. You find out. For, for me to explain that, I can tell you in a couple of words, not separate. You can't, you can't, if you find an authority, it's not separate from everything else. So there's no, uh, there's no central headquarters. Sorry. Even though even though some teachers set it up that way. So they're the, the guru or they're the, the, the Dalai Lama or they're the head master, whatever. Not, not incorrect. It's just a way of teaching. Some people need that kind of higher being or higher. Just like you come this direction, you, you're coming here because you, you project onto me. And I let you. <laughs> But since you do that, and since my motivation is about helping you, uh, I will endeavor to meet you where you're at and help you with your permission. But without your permission, I'm out of here. I've got, I got another. I've got lots and lots of students. I mean, probably two dozen. <laughs> yes. Finding our own authority, the same thing as having no backup for what we're doing. That's a good way of saying it, except it won't feel, it might be a description of it, but it won't feel like you need a backup. You won't need to have a, uh, well, I'm doing it like when your mother said, why did you spill your milk? It's that kind of feeling like, I don't know why I spilled it, <laughs> spilled, instead of coming up with some kind of a wisecrack about it. We don't know the whys and wherefores. Uh, the, we don't know exactly why this, this is happening the way it is. The causes and conditions are untraceable. Our very life of being a person with uh, white skin and blue eyes or uh, being a, a male or female or someone who's, what is that, in, in between, not, not really sure about what, what identity uh, is showing up as far as a uh, sexual orientation. Some people have a great deal of difficulty with that. And some people are very clear and it still goes against uh, what society thinks is appropriate. So I say, and you've heard me say before, if you're not sure which direction to turn, then don't do anything. You might look at the possibilities of going this way or going that way, but I wouldn't do anything until it becomes clear until uh, you could say, if you need evidence, wait till it's overwhelming. Wait till they're, it's choiceless that you, you have to do this because the, any other direction looks like uh, not going to be workable.
Further questions? Junchu Bowing. Yes, Junchu. How can we work with the tiny thieves in our own mind that keep um, stealing our own time or interrupting ourselves? Amazing. That's an amazing question. Yes, that's, that's exactly what it is. That, that what you do is that don't feed it, don't turn it away, and don't ignore it. So some there's sometimes saying uh, the there's some kind of an image of uh, uh, you have a, a good a good wolf and a bad wolf and and uh, if you feed the bad wolf then the bad bad and I deliberately leave out the L there in wolf um, you know which depends on which one you feed well you know uh, both those wolves are an illusion anyway. They're, they're unreal. They're dependently arisen. I mean, my goodness, they're, and you're dependent. We are, our identity here, me, this old man, talking about something I just thought up, something to talk about, about what I see. I see that this is an incredibly confused situation of being human beings. I'm one of them. I was born one of them as a human being, as we all were, apparently. And so the way you work with that, uh, Junchu, is just watch what, just watch what moves. And with you, might be different than say what happens with uh, with uh, Maria or Gume or anyone else. It might might show up differently, but watching the movement without interfering, watching the movement without grasping, without rejecting, without shutting away, slowly over time, because and it takes time because we got so much karma um, in the waiting room, waiting to show up through us, uh, waiting to come through, and it's going to need to come through. You can't just stop having karma. You have to you have to train your mind in such a way that you're no longer in agreement with anything, you're no longer objecting anything, nor are you ignoring anything. And I'm not saying you're not, I'm not ignoring the wall behind me because I, I'm looking the other way. So there's some relative situational ignorance that's always going to be showing up in some way. But don't add to it by finding out that if I block that out even more, I won't even have to have that feeling. So as I said earlier, sometimes to Chazon, sometimes people don't know that they're terrified, and that's why they cover it up with some kind of shiny veneer or shiny uh, uh, patina on the surface of their self-centeredness. So the important thing there to come back to your question is be persistent. You know, just be, I, I know you're really stubborn. Use the stubbornness. I mean, I'm just stubborn. Plant your damn feet, plant your butt on the cushion, sit down and look that demon in the face. Don't run away. Don't don't give it a merit badge. Do nothing with it. Just look at it. If you just anything you just look at, whatever is rising in the mind stream, positive, negative, neutral, if you do nothing with it, just the nature of impermanence, it cannot last. But it will have a, it will persist if you fiddle with it. It will persist to come towards you. Uh, if, if you push back, it will start to move towards you. If you start to back away, uh, maybe it will grab a hold of you. And I'm just using this as a, a way of talking about it because it seems to be different with each person. The fundamental difficulty is not the emotion, the negativity, not the emotion, the jealousy, not the emotion, the pride or the shame. Or it's not, that's not the issue, but that's what the materialistic world, spiritual materialism, tries to get rid of or tries to do away with. We try to stop this. So it is about seeing it. It is about seeing the jealousy or seeing the, the avarice or seeing that, but it, it's not about doing anything with that because the fundamental misunderstanding is that there is somebody 
and there is no solid being in the skandhas form feeling perception concept consciousness there's no solid being your body is here but there's no solid being if you see what this is i'm not saying you'll be uh, march off into a uh into a volcano uh because you're not crazy but you, but fear of death is gone you know because there there is no death who you are can't die only the body mind co collapses don't believe a word i say don't take anything for granted doubt everything to show So extending that logic. Was that logic? <laughs> I, mean, I, I think about it. <laughs> there is, it's like a compliment, you know, to show how me logical. The way I'm hearing is we just act, and if it helps the other person, so be it. If it doesn't help them directly at this point in time, so be it. Uh, so be it is extra. So, so be it. You're watching something happen and then you're watching it helps. So be it. You're watching it doesn't help. So be it. No, no comments to the chef. There is no chef. There's no, the so be it is, is a, is a, is a way of keeping the self-centeredness operating in some way. So it doesn't lose track of who, who, who he, she, they it are and what's happening. It's the fundamental nature of duality is to, is to comment on whatever's occurring by either agreeing, disagreeing. That shouldn't be happening. I've worked so hard. I shouldn't be getting that kind of a result or distraction or what problem? I don't see. I didn't notice anything going wrong there. It comes and goes without agreeing, without disagreeing and without shutting down. Chiso, did you have a further question? Anyone else? And that's a good area to go into. Come on. Let's dismantle this. Dismantle me. Take me apart. Bring, bring some. Bring whatever you want. Uh, if if you want war, I will lose. You get to win. Not interested in winning anything. Anna Maria Bowie. Anna Maria. Um, so relating to that area, I was reading the the eighth precept, which is no hoarding material or teachings. Mm -hmm. And um, relating to both uh, Shoto and Chiazon's question, when you're in that situation where you feel like you can help someone, how do you discern between the refrain out of respecting their confusion or intelligence and your hoarding the materials and the teachings? Mm -hmm. Bowing. That's, that's quite a conundrum for uh, for anyone. Uh, but the way you talk about it, I would I would say the it's just a, it's kind of a standard but it's one that i use because it, it usually seems to be more helpful than any other one is don't do anything unless you have to and it's not about not hoarding materials and teachings it's being it's about being aware of that so it's observing the precept not correcting yourself so you're not a hoarder of materials and teachings or so you're someone who never kills anything or you're someone who never lies or you're someone who never steals anything uh, any one of those precepts of the 10 prohibitory precepts including the first three or the first, uh, the refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, that's very difficult to, you can't maintain it. You can't maintain uh, refuge in the in the teacher. You don't even know who that is. You can't maintain refuge in the teaching. We can't, we can't even understand that completely. That's why we keep studying it. And we can't maintain uh, refuge in the Sangha because the Sangha, they, they don't even, sometimes it doesn't feel like they even like us. 
at least the experiences I've had in the Sangha over the last you know, 45, 46 years. And then, then do good. Don't do harm. Be with all things. Save all beings. That's a, it's, it's about seeing how it's, it's just impossible to do that. Yet we aspire to, to try to take care of others. And when we meet someone that it seems like it would be helpful for them to understand something or know something, be very clear uh, about that. Uh, and that's why I say don't do anything unless you have to. Actually, make sure that what you're going to say to them uh, is, is that there's some kind of a receiving quality in their in their eyes. If you look in their eyes, you can you can tell. You look in somebody's eyes, and you can tell whether they're receiving or whether they're producing. They're probably producing ideas about you being pushy, or ideas about you being trying to push pull all that Buddhist stuff on me again. I, I had a had an old friend from high school. And the only comment he'd ever, ever make, uh, it just this has been the last 10 years or so. I'm always surprised how you never try to get me to practice meditation. <laughs> and I said, would you, would you like me to do it? No, no, no. I don't want you to do that. I don't want to meditate. But I'm just kind of surprised that you, most people are pushing whatever they're doing off on other people. You never do that. And uh, I think I might have said, well, you should have talked to me 20, 30 years ago. I was pushing it on everybody then. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, less is better. And, you know, if you if you depends on who it is, it's very situational. It depends on if somebody you're really close to, your partner or your friend or your your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister. It depends on your, your underlying relationship that you have. If it's an ongoing thing, um, if some of you are only going to meet once, then you, you, you might want to say something. I mean, if, especially if they ask, what should I do about it? I'm having such a hard time. I said, well, you, you could try some mind training. What is that? Well, just meditation you know you might do that uh, probably not but if it's someone you're you're seeing quite a bit then less is better they know you meditate they're watching you they're evaluating you they're judging you they're waiting in it and as soon as you lose your temper up you get upset oh i thought you meditated doesn't that stop you from getting mad oh that's too bad you're so mad that must be really hard for you being a meditator and all does that sound like sarcasm? That's because it is sarcasm. <laughs> I am sarcastic about that. But you, you've experienced this. You know what I'm saying. It's, it, it shows up in other areas too, not just, uh, and you may be uh, a person who never meet, runs into people who are sarcastic. <laughs> yes. In, in those situations, um, I, I found that um, someone's desperation doesn't necessarily mean that they're re receptive or, re or ready to receive. Very good point. Very, very good point. Yes. You know, desperation can be, it can be very heartbreaking to see that if you know if they would try this, uh, it would be wonderful, but it's like it's like uh, they're they're not open to it. They're they're closed up with their ideas, their hopes, their fears, their beliefs, and their opinions, and so on. And there's no opening there. So that, that's why you need to look in their eyes and see if they're even ready to, if they're like even listening. Eyes listen. You can tell if they're listening. Yes, sir. Is there a question in the chat box? Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if it's Ivan or Ivan, but 
It's Ivan. Ivan. It's Ivan. Ivan. Ivan Bowing. Addressing thieves of the self. Is this the same as the ego? Yeah. Well, there's a there's a self-centeredness there. So there's a there's a, a a joining of me and what I'm about to do, or me and what I'm need to say, or this person saying that, and so we we tend to be instead of actually being unreceived. Uh, unless you're doing a lot of sitting meditation, it's going to be very very difficult to see the boundary of the the separation you could say between uh, receiving and producing. Uh, they, sometimes they feel very similar. This is why it's so necessary to be and receive as much as you can. That's why we sit down, look at a wall, and just receive what's there. Passion, aggression, ignorance, craziness, confusion, daydreaming, um, sexual fantasies, uh, fantasies about um, buying a new car or or getting another job or any kind of anything going on. Daydreams about the, about the future, memories of the past that were really good, really bad, really whatever, just receive. Everything is grist for the mill, so to speak. Everything, everything can be can be included everything and especially when it's arising in your mind stream this is how we train our mind to to be on receive so when we get up off the cushion and what we talk to somebody we're receiving you're receiving you might not get a credential for that uh, the only thing that may show up a little bit is a feeling especially if you've been doing a lot of sitting meditation is not knowing what in the hell is going on or who you are or what's right and what's wrong and what's up and what's down you get used to it you don't need to know that the ego mind will reconstruct itself if it starts to freak out. That's why you, um, as far as I can see, and I'm not saying this is absolutely the truth, because the path will bring you back into that particular uh, um, journey that is about, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> that particular journey that is about finding out who you are, finding out your true identity. Don't settle for any, don't settle. Just continue to go. Maria Bowing. Maria. Um, following on what uh, Jinju asked about, um, it seems to me that fear is, for me, it's not like a tiny thief. Uh, I would put it into the category of rather big ones. And I'm wondering in the context of your response to Chiesan that fear is an intelligence, how does two go together? About? Fear and intelligence? No, for me, for me, fear is something which is stealing away attention from me being able to be connected. And you are calling fear an intelligence and I'm trying yeah. to understand how it works together. Yeah, about. so fear is not separate from intelligence. But it's just a misunderstanding. That's why it's so necessary to not dispense with the fear. Don't don't jump away from the fear into what's causing the fear. All you're doing is you might as well be getting right on a merry-go-round. And you'll be right back to why? Because. Why? Because. Why? The whole world is doing why? Because. And, and you can take it in society or structure right up to the any level of whatever government, any letter, any level of... Uh, uh, psychology or philosophy, any of those areas are, are strong polarity. Why? Because. And what you're being uh, uh, asked to do or recommended to do is to look at the fear. And of course, when that first shows up, it's fear because of that or fear because of that. 
And then at some point you may start to have fear without having any source. That's a, that's that's when you can actually look at the texture of the fear. And you can also see the cause of the fear. And by not focusing on the cause so much, but just looking at the texture of the fear itself, you begin to, uh, and I'm going to say this in a way that maybe uh, may, may um, arouse some more questions. Make friends with that. It's just energy. And I don't mean to dispense with uh, the uh, the personal feeling of being threatened or being having your your um, sanity taken away or your safety taken away. Of course, that's why it's called fear. But insofar as you can, using the sitting practice of meditation to train your mind to see clearly, continue to return to that. When the fear arises, don't leave. When the real when the fear arises, don't cover it up. Don't don't cover it up with any idea or judgment or opinion or actually just be there with it. Be there with it. And again, I say, excuse me, I don't say maintain that. Just flash on it. You don't need to maintain it. You can just flash on the fear and you can let it back off and you can flash on it again. So go slowly, train your mind, spend time sitting, sitting still and watching the movement of the mind so that when these fears come up, perhaps right in meditation, then you're, um, you're 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 in the middle of working with that kind of energy uh, that is more like uh, dancing with it rather than, than fighting it or running away from it or covering it up, fighting it, running away from it or covering it up. Naya Banks, thank you. I'm wondering whether um, it's maybe a dynamic that with uh, more sitting that fear may increase what could it could get it could get more intense but i would say sit anyway and and right after i say that i'm also saying you know you're uh you you could trust yourself uh, and say just because the teacher's saying sit more anyway i'm also saying at the same time don't overdo it Uh, if it seems to be get really intense where you're where you're kind of uh coming apart at the seams oh you might want to back off a little bit and then maybe approach it uh, in a softer way or maybe change the time of day that you're practicing or the other way. And I think we may have even talked about this because I talk to people about when people have a lot of intensity, I say, go look out the window, don't look at the wall, go out and look. So you're looking off into space more. You can also sit in a, a room and look across the room to do, you can do shikantaza with a lot of space in front of you. Uh, I don't think it's a good idea to watch TV, but I don't know, maybe that'd be a good idea. Any further questions? Don't watch TV, by the way. That was meant to be sarcastic. Yes, sir. Earlier you were talking about looking into somebody's eyes and being able to see if they're producing or receiving. Yes. And one of the practices that you um, sometimes talk about is eye gazing. I do. How does the practice of eye gazing help us to uh, meet situations where they are, meet people where they're at? Yeah, well, I, I think you've done enough of that. Uh, you could probably talk about it yourself, but it's uh, it's just uh, the eyes are, you know, looking at someone's eyes. Uh, it, it kind of, uh, um, it, it takes the thinking mind out of gear. It doesn't do away with it totally, but it takes it out of gear and allows one to... Uh, 
to receive. There's less producing, uh, producing going on, still some maybe, but most of it is just receiving. So this is why we, I sometimes if I'm talking to two people who are having difficulty, whether they're monastery residents or people in a relationship, I say, sit down face to face, bow to each other and, uh, and then discuss your relationship. But first you might want to just look in each other's eyes for a minute or two. It's not very long, but it's an extremely long time if all you're doing is looking in someone's eyes. And then you can, after you do that, then it's kind of a reset for your, to help you reset with your original intention to be together, to love each other, to respect each other. So it's just, a, it's a way to do it without a bunch of mumbo jumbo words or philosophy around it. Just sit down and look at the other person. And you can do that for longer than that period also. So it's, it's, I think what it is, it's more about just the spaciousness of it rather than the content. It's just an open dimension where you're just, just being with the other person very simply. Further question, Shoka? What is the spontaneous production that's arising when you do look at somebody like looking at uh, sometimes what looks like personality or identity just moving around? Are you ready? Fear. If you're producing, if you're looking at somebody, the eyes are looking at something that's nothing has happened there except someone else looking back at you just received. And whatever comes, I don't care what comes, receive. Because if you're if you're producing, if you're rea reacting to what's coming, then that has to do with fear or the or uh, the uh, a subtle more subtle way of saying it, the desire for control, or the desire not to be controlled by someone, which has to do with ego or identity. Uh, it's a it seems to work differently for different people with different dynamics. There's more there if you have more questions around that. I guess if that kind of production, if there's a production out of fear, how can you, or what is the receiving well, you, if you see that you're producing and you see that you're producing to cover up the fear, then you're, then that's awareness. That's why we do sitting meditation is not so we can be really calm and kind and cover up our aggression, our passion, aggression, ignorance, but so that we can see it, so we can be responsible for our karma, so that we can be so, uh, so open and so magnanimous that we can accept the karma, that, that we can accept whether whatever's coming towards us. And not fight with our world. Don't miss your life uh, because um, if you if you miss this one, you're going to be back. It's like a big schoolroom. You'll be back again, looking at it again. Maybe not with this body. Maybe with a different body. Maybe as a parent, possible. Nothing is impossible. So whatever you're receiving, just receive. And if you're if you're find yourself as you're reacting to how somebody looks or what you're picking up from them whether it's uh, in your dynamic or anyone else, uh, this is, would be generally, I think, the truth is if you're producing anything, it's probably coming out of some kind of anxiety or some kind of um, possibly fear or uh, insecurity around having someone look right at you. 
more? Not yet, thank you. Thank you for the question. A lot of room in there for more inquiry if you have it. If not, we can always close, whatever you'd like to do. If you have questions, I'm here. Certainly. You talked about returning to your original inspiration. Yes. And referred to the Bodhisattva path. And oftentimes it seems my inspiration is more selfish than that. It's just purely being uncomfortable being with myself, just my own yeah. suffering. Is there a difference between my suffering and the Bodhisattva path? No. Well, no, not separate. Just continue. I describing the inspiration. Inspiration is not not separate from anything, and and that's uh, it's not something you can think about. That's why it's uh, it's it gives the ego such a rough time because the ego is used to generating ideas, uh, uh, concepts, ideas, judgments, evaluations, opinions, logic, reason, and uh, realization is uh, goes uh, trans. You could say transcends that. And the Bodhisattva path uh, aspires to go beyond the self-centeredness and put others before ourselves until we see that there aren't any others. And there's even isn't even a Bodhisattva. That's why it's a spiritual path and not a mundane path of accomplishing something, getting somewhere, uh, getting credentials and having a success story. Thank you. Thank you for the question. Okay, uh, Uno's looking at me funny. No, she's pointing at a, what is that? Oh, it's a clock. Pointing at a clock. <laughs> okay, we can dedicate the merit uh, in the monastery, I think. They can lead us from there.